You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo, and I'm going to tell you a quick story about my life. A few years ago, I was at a group and I was speaking. It was a very small, intimate group, but I was speaking, kind of sharing a little bit of information about blogging at this point. And at the end of it, somebody walked up to me that was in the audience. Again, it was a small group, so I recognized most everybody, but not this guy. And he walked up to me and said, Alex, I'm recruiting speakers for this conference, a big conference coming to Jacksonville in a couple months, and I would love for you to speak. In that moment, two things happened inside me. One, my heart fell into my stomach. I was so nervous just thinking about this. And number two, I knew that I had to say yes. Now, you might be saying, Alex, why did you have to say yes? Here's the deal. At some point, this is going to happen to you as well. As you're growing in your leadership, you're growing your brand, you are just becoming a better entrepreneur, you will be asked to speak. And if you want to continue to grow and develop, you need to say yes. You cannot push it off. Now you're probably feeling the same way I did. You're like, great, my, uh, my heart's in my stomach now, right? We kind of all have that same feeling, but it's because maybe it's just unknown territory or something that just freaks us all out, right? Here's the deal. I wanted to have somebody on the podcast that could talk about this and really help us all out, especially as we're getting into speaking. And if you're an accomplished speaker, this is going to help you a lot. Today, we're hearing from Clay Baird. He's going to share 13 tips that are going to help you just crush your next presentation or your first presentation, whatever it may be. These tips are very helpful. They've changed my life. I am a better speaker today because of these tips and just being able to know Clay Baird. And he is literally one of the top five best speakers I've ever heard. He speaks to thousands of people every single week. So he has a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. So this episode is going to be action-packed. If you want to learn more about Clay Baird, you can just go to creatingabrandpodcast.com. It'll be the latest episode up, and I'll have some, some links to some speaking engagements he's done recently and some of his podcasts and things like that so you can learn more about him. But let's go ahead and jump to my interview right now with Clay Baird. Clay, thanks for being here today, man. Man, thank you so much, Alex. Excited to be here. Love the podcast. All the listeners, shout out to everyone. Thanks, man. Everywhere. <laughs> thanks, man. Hey, so you are, in my mind, the one of the greatest public speakers I've ever had the opportunity to hear. And I'm so excited that you're here. I wanted to do this episode from day one of launching the podcast. So I'm really excited to have you here. And we're gonna actually going to talk about that public speaking because it's something that we get probably more requests than anything else about is actually public speaking, learning to speak better, or even how to finally get the, the guts to get on stage, right? That's what people are always yeah, wondering. Yeah. So actually, just let's start from the beginning. The first few times you got on stage or when you actually got started in public speaking, we'll kind of get into your journey a bit more. Were you nervous? Or are you one of those guys that was just like, no, I was fine on stage? Or were you ever anxious? Like, what, what did it feel like for you? Yeah, for me, public speaking was never something that I set out to do. This was not what I wanted to do when I was in college or anything like that. I actually, my background was, as you know, it was with music. So through music, and obviously, you know, I was used to being in bands and being on a platform with a bunch of people and stuff like that. And obviously through a series of circumstances, the door began to open for me to actually speak and share and all that kind of stuff. And so it was never something I set out to do. So I think that having the history of just being on stage with groups, leading music and all that kind of stuff helped. Mm -hmm. But... But yeah, it was definitely it would definitely push me out of the comfort zone at first. I'm sure because I've always heard this from musicians that I know. But the first time they get on stage without being able to hide behind yes. some sort of instrument, it, it's a game changer, right? Total game changer. Yeah, you don't have a guitar. There's not like you know four other guys on stage oh, with right. you that you can like kind of lean on. And yeah, you're absolutely true. It's just now it's just you by yourself, and it's different. Yeah. How did you overcome that fear? Was it something that you just had to get reps in, or was it something that you had to have coaching on? Like, what did you do exactly? I remember when I first got the opportunity 
opportunity. I was in my early 20s uh, to start speaking. You know, a lot of that time for me, obviously, there was a lot of opportunities within religious circles and church services and different conferences mm-hmm. and things like that. And I was probably too young. I mean, honestly, at first, I think I was just too young and naive to be scared. I was just like, all right, okay. let's just do it. And then all of a sudden, I remember when I kind of got to my early 30s, which you would think by then, I mean, I had tons of reps. I had tons of opportunities, a lot under my belt by that point. It's almost a decade. But then all of a sudden, it was like I woke up one day and like it all hit me, just the the weight of it and the opportunity that you have to inspire people, motivate people, really persuade people in certain environments. And mm-hmm. I remember being like a, a few years ago, probably three years ago in my early 30s, being more scared at that point than I was when I actually started. Wow, this isn't encouraging. So it's, not, so it's gonna. It gets better, then it gets worse, then it gets better again. Everyone, so. it gets worse. No. <laughs> I think a lot of people they start off again. You start at a young age. I think a lot of people start off when they already have an idea of okay, this is the impact this is potentially going yeah. to have. So I think that really the middle of your journey is where most people are going to pick up. And yeah, so what did you do to overcome that? Like, how did you kind of get more comfortable with it again? If you don't know me, obviously, you know, a lot of what I share is coming from like a faith-based kind of background. And I understand every listener that listens to, you know, creating a brand podcast, you might not be coming from faith-based. You might be only corporate, only business, and and that's cool. And a lot of communicating principles translate into a a variety of Mm -hmm. of different spheres of, of life and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously for me, there's the faith perspective of, you know, me praying, me feeling like, you know, I'm where God wants wanted me to be, all that kind of stuff. But then past, you know, some of the faith things, honestly, I really just had to uh, like focus in on the fact that like, I think we put more weight on ourselves than people actually do. And I just reminded myself that like, all all I got to do is, is just get up here and present this information, share whatever it is that I'm trying to share. Truthfully, they're not even here for me. People are here because they want to become better and they believe that whatever I'm sharing is going to help them get to a better place. And so so it was almost just like, kind of get over yourself, Clay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not about you. And so I really was just like, let me just share this information. And, and that's really the goal. Like, keep the main thing the main thing. Right. The main thing for me was never like, I want to be famous. I want to be some famous communicator or I want to, yeah, I want people to know me, me, me. It, it was really like, no, I want this information that I'm sharing to really help people, bless people, encourage people, whatever it is. When I really started to let that be my frame of mind, I think it took the weight off of me. Which makes a lot of sense because you did literally just take the pressure off yourself. You're not trying to become someone that you're not, you're more just trying to deliver the most impact as you possibly can. So it takes the pressure off of you. Let me, and yeah. And one of the things I learned, like maybe this will help somebody out there who wants to communicate, you want to be better, or you're trying to take that first step on how do I public speak, all that kind of stuff. Listen, this really helped me. Validation is in the invitation. And so that's really important. Oh, that's good. Validation is in the invitation. And what I mean by that is when you get an opportunity to share in front of people, it's not like, oh crap, I got to hit a home run so that I can feel validated. They'll validate me that like I'm a good speaker or whatever. No, like chances are you wouldn't have been invited to share in that forum had you not already been like approved of. Yeah. So if you've had an opportunity to share, whether it be in the corporate world, at a seminar, at a conference, at whatever, like you've already been validated. You would have never got the invitation Mm -hmm. had whoever did the inviting not already think that you were good enough. Yeah. And so it really, that took the weight off of me in a sense that my performance is not what validates me. Mm-hmm. I've already been validated because I've already been invited. That's fantastic. That's so. something that I've actually never really thought of. And yeah, yeah, like you said, I mean, sure, I've spoken at a lot of conferences at this point myself. However, 
I always get invited or somebody's accepting my application. So that validation has already happened. It's already happened. Like if you if you were trash, they wouldn't have invited you in That's the true, first place. Right. You know what I mean? But but so the mere fact that you get the opportunity, the invitation already shows that someone above you validates and recognizes that you have the ability to do this. Yeah. Now, Clay, so you being one of the pastors at my church, I see you speak in front of thousands of people every week. I've watched you speak in front of thousands of people off the cuff when you didn't know you were going to be going on stage on topics that you didn't set. I've watched you just so confidently deliver powerful messages that literally change people's lives. You've got to have some great tips, some great principles to share with us today. I'd love to start getting into some of those things. Yeah, let's. we can roll through some. I got some stuff written down here. You know, the first one I would say, and this is super elementary because I understand some of the audience here on this podcast, you are starting brand new. You're fresh. Mm-hmm. And so I would obviously say, which most of you are probably already doing, first point is just like, hey, watch the masters. And, and, the, and the master is whoever you think is awesome at communicating. You know what I mean? That's obviously what I did at the beginning. Just like anyone, I'm taking notes. I'm looking for cues of people that communicated effectively and well. I watched the best communicators. I wanted to figure out who they are. And honestly, at first, I just tried to be like them. I would notice their habits, their mannerisms on the platform, on a stage, in front of people. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that I went to several people in the game, but I was looking for different things. Like I remember there, there's some people that I went to and I watched them because their content was so great. They Mm -hmm. just always had great content. Other people I went and I watched them because they were really passionate and inspiring. And, And truthfully, maybe their content wasn't that thorough or awesome, but the way in which they delivered it, Hmm. I was like, I felt motivated. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go conquer the world. You know what I mean? Other people, you know, you watch them because they're positive. They're inspiring. I remember there was this one guy that I would go to and and I love to watch his communicating style because if he's sharing for like an hour, it's like the entire hour, he was just always smiling and very positive. Oh, really? And as often as I watch someone like that, it just reminded me like, I want to be that. I don't want to be like the, yeah. the heavy weighting, you know, super serious guy. So watching him reminded me, I want to be a communicator that like smiles because whenever you're smiling on stage, it's lifting the room up and everyone else is kind of joining in on that, that joy or whatever's going on. And so I wanted to be like that. So you got to watch people. I think that you brought up a good point there. You're saying watch people and you're watching people for the different characteristics or strong points that they have. You're not just watching one person saying, I want to be the next this person. Right, yeah. And that's that's dangerous to get into because the quickest way to get yourself off a stage or never get invited back is to pretend to be someone you're not. Yeah, and ultimately, let me just say this. For those of you who are fresh in the game of communicating, watch people in the beginning, but there ultimately came a point where I was like, okay, I got to put it away because I don't want to be some cheap imitation of other people. So eventually, after I just kind of learned the ones and twos of communicating, I stopped watching other people for a while. You know, I didn't just binge watch communicators on YouTube anymore because ultimately I had to find my own voice. I've Mm -hmm. learned some tips. I've seen the tricks of the trade. Now let me go find my own voice with what I've learned. That's great. So number one here is to watch the masters. What else do you got for us here? The second thing I wrote down in corporate America, this is so true, but it can't be said too much, man. And that's, listen, you got to look sharp when you're communicating. And that actually has nothing to do with what's coming out of your mouth. It has to do with the clothes that you're putting on your body. But I even wrote down, I shared, you don't even know this. I shared somewhere else some communicator workshop stuff. And I brought up this point about fixing up, looking sharp, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I used you, Alex Sanfilippo. I used you as an example because honestly, like every time I've ever seen you around town or maybe I see you on your social media and you're at different events across the country, I used you because I'm always like, I've never seen Alex look inappropriate for 
whatever environment he was in. And like, I feel like if you've ever made the mistake of being too informal or formal, like you've always erred on the more formal side. And I think that's a good thing because we all know this, like if the person who's communicating looks sloppy, dresses sloppy, looks like they can't take care of themselves, they don't have any personal grooming Mm -hmm. going on, you're probably less likely to take that individual's advice. There was a story one time, a true story, a buddy of mine shared with me in San Francisco. He was on a bus one time. There was a guy who got on a bus, a city bus right there in San Francisco, and he was unsure about where he was going and what stop he needed to get off at. And he looked over and he asked this gentleman who kind of looked like, I don't know that he was homeless, but he kind of had more of a like a real super cash, low-key vibe going on. He asked the gentleman, he's like, hey, I'm looking for this address. Do you know what stop I need to get off at? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's this next stop. Get off at the next stop. And he's like, cool, thank you. And a couple minutes goes by, and a gentleman in a really nice suit behind him actually tapped him on the shoulder and was like, hey, actually, you need to get off in like two or three you know, more stops. Now, whose advice do you think the man took? Yeah, he took the advice absolutely. of the guy wearing the suit, yes. and it ended up being the wrong advice. Like he actually should have got off at the stop that the homeless looking man said. I mean, but again, when it comes to who we're listening to, you're listening to people who look sharp, who look professional. And so it can't be stated enough. If you're out there and you're communicating in front of, you know, shareholders or businessmen and women or whatever it is, entrepreneurs, community activists, whatever it is, like if you want to be taken seriously, you need to look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Not really a speaking tip, but a very good point in there. I like that a lot. I think that that's really important. I, I was thinking about a conference I was speaking at not long ago, and there's a group of people I was talking to, and one of them just got quiet, like looked at me and he goes, are you the keynote? I was like, uh, because you look so sharp. You were yeah, probably, that's exactly yeah. what he said. I was like, no, not at all. He goes, oh, you just like dress like you would be. I'm telling like, you, man. Thank you. I'm telling you, man. Even dumb people can look really good if you just put some decent clothes on. I don't know what you're saying about me, but <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. Let's keep this going along. That's good. Another thing I'd say to people communicating is like, you got to obviously know your material. Sometimes I've come across young communicators and they have an opportunity to share in front of people and you know, Hey man, what's up, man? What are you, what are you sharing on today? Ah, I don't really know. I got a few thoughts, but I'm just going to kind of wing it and see where it goes. Like that's horrible advice. Yes, it is. Winging it is never a good idea. Like I know for some of us out there, like you, you know, you go home at night, you grab a glass of wine and you binge watch like Ted talks because you want to be an awesome like Ted talker. But here's the deal. Even those Ted talk people have prepared material. They've memorized material. They're not just out there winging it like, oh, let's just see what happens. And so you got to know your material. And the fact, the more you know it, the more you've practiced it, the more you've rehearsed it, the more confident you're going to be when you get up there. And so, you know, for those of us like myself, you know, who are in the faith-based community and world, like, you know, if we're going to look at the Bible for just a second, like the Bible actually talks about that you need to study to show yourself approved. And Mm. I don't think that's just for Christians or people who like the Bible, but I think that's just general good tips for communicating. Like study to show yourself approved, know your material, know what you're talking about. And so whatever that looks like for you, if you got to, if you got to share, you know, your speech in front of the mirror in the bathroom, whatever it is, however many times you need to go over the material, you got to know your stuff. Yeah. So. Do, you, do you feel you can ever over prepare for material though? Or do you think there's no such thing? I mean, I think everyone's going to end up finding their sweet spot. Like for me, I know like if I need to communicate and speak on like a Sunday, then generally I start writing on Monday, right? So like I, I have a full week. Oh, wow. So I'll, I'll write on Monday. I'll study. I'll get my stuff together. I'm looking at it again, you know, on Wednesdays. I'm looking at it again on Fridays. So by the time I actually get up in front of a few thousand people and share anything, I've looked at those probably what is 10 pages of notes 
I've seen that now probably five or six times. I and mean, I've been doing this now for over a decade. And so it might take more than that for someone in their first year, but yeah. you'll end up finding your sweet spot as to how many times you really need to look over stuff before it kind of sinks in. So. Yeah, no, that's really good. You know, as a matter of fact, you, you mentioned like a, a TED talk. I got invited to do a TEDx in Chicago, ended up turning it down because they want you to not only submit what you're going to say word for word, they want to be able to tweak it as well. Wow. I probably shouldn't say it's about TEDx, but I mean, it's a great organization, but that's that's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone who really knows their stuff. They don't allow anyone to wing anything. Well, here's the, here's the thing that I appreciate about TED Talk is, and I guess that whole corporation, I don't really know what all goes into it, but what I really appreciate about it is that their talks are always very concise. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's 20 minutes or whatever it is. And I appreciate that. Someone told me one time, whatever it is that you have to say, if you can't say it in 30 minutes, then you can't say it. That's the truth. Like I think so many times, like think about this, even the president of the United States, the state of the union address, like I understand some are longer than others, but generally speaking, most of them are ringing in right around 40 to 45 minutes. Right. Like I think Trump and Clinton had some long ones, but like, yeah, yeah. but generally speaking right there, like about... 40 something minutes. You know what I mean? And think about that. That's the president delivering the state of the entire nation. And he can say everything he needs to say in 40 minutes. There's no reason you can't say whatever you have to say in front of other business leaders in like 30 or less. Gosh, that puts in perspective, doesn't it? And and that's what Ted talks probably realize. If you want viewership, people don't have 55 minutes in their day to sit down and listen to podcasts. That's why some of the best podcasts are, are just quick to the point kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's so good. I love that point there. Know your material. Yep. I'd say you got to know your audience too. You got to know your material. You got to know your audience. In other words, you know, there's a difference in how I address crowds of like students and, and university students and then how I address like senior citizens. Things change. My language changes. My body language changes. My mm-hmm. illustrations change. The stories I tell will change because it's just a different demographic in the room. I think some of the best communicators in history know how to do this well. Anyone in the political world who's running for any type of office, like you can see this, like, you know what I mean? When they go to Michigan and they're talking about the dudes who work in the car plants, the politician has rolled up his sleeves. He's yeah. unbuttoned the top button. You know, he's trying to look real casual like he's a working man. You know what I mean? The language he uses is going to be different because you realize when different demographics and audiences in the room, I have to prepare differently. Yeah. And so you got to know your audience. Even attendance numbers affect how I communicate. Now, I don't. I never give less of myself if there's less people in the room. That's, a good That's not what I do. I'm always giving 100%, but your 100% might look different if it's like 12 people in a boardroom versus 500 people at like a, a large conference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How I communicate to 500, and what I mean by that, practically it's like, if I'm sharing in front of a large audience, I can get I can get loud, I can get energized, I can be passionate. Again, you see that in the political world. You know, We can rally people together for a really inspiring moment. But if I'm sitting at a boardroom addressing, you know, just some heads of a company, I'm not shouting at them across the table. Right. You know what I mean? So so you got to know your audience. Hopefully that makes sense to everyone because the demographic makes a difference and the attendance of who's there makes a difference. Yeah, I had the opportunity to sit down with it. Actually, it was a really great speaker in a very small room setting. Yeah. And I'd seen him speak on a larger scale before. And it was really cool. Super animated, super like loud. He used that same energy in this small room and it was honestly annoying it seems uncomfortable yeah it's like i'm like he's like who's excited to be here we're like 
me, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I am like right here. Uh, like there's not 500 people around me, it's just me and these other 12 guys. Like, so it seems a little weird. Yeah. But gauging and knowing that audience is clearly really important. It's so, it's so important. And again, a lot of it comes with time. You'll figure out how to address and what's appropriate for what room, you know, I would also say, obviously we talked a little bit about practicing. It's important that you practice, you go over your material, you know, your material. I'll say this too about public speaking. I wrote this point down. Don't give it away. And what I mean by don't give it away is not your virginity. We're not talking about that. Although don't give that away either. But what we're actually talking about is I'm talking about being nervous. Like I've seen some communicators actually get in front of people and be like, oh man, hey everyone, it's really good to be here. I'm super nervous right now, but uh, we're going to, and now you've just let the whole room know that you're nervous where maybe they would have never known that had you not just said it. And so maybe you're feeling super nervous and intimidated on the inside, right? but maybe you're actually doing a really good job disguising that on the outside. And so I would say that's, that's probably never a good thing. Don't like in the microphone and front, like actually say, I'm really nervous because what you do when you do that is now you've just made the whole room nervous and they're all nervous for you. Yes. And now all all of them are praying, dear God, don't let this person screw up. Like (laughs) we already know, like public speaking is, is one of the most feared things in the world that like people freak out. But if you want to make a crowd really nervous, really fast, just tell them that you're nervous. And people will be really freaked out by that. But but here's I'll share this about nerves because I thought this was cool. A few years ago during the Summer Olympics, I watched this kind of trick when I saw interviewers on like whoever, NBC or whatever, they were interviewing some of the athletes in the Olympics. And there was this common question that was always asked of these Olympians. And it was, were you nervous? Oh my gosh, you just went out there and you performed great. Were you nervous? And a lot of the athletes just gave the same answer over and over. They would say, no, man, I wasn't nervous. I was excited. Hmm. And so what that showed me is these competitors were taking the body's signs of nervousness, clammy hands, pounding heartbeat, nervous tension, and they were reinterpreting it in their mind as side effects of excitement and not nervousness. Wow. So what makes them Olympian-level athletes is not just their talent in sporting or whatever, but it's their ability to transform that nervous energy and literally tell their body, almost rewire their mind Mm -hmm. to be like, this is not nervousness. This is me excited. And I feel like when you can learn that, because if you let your mind go down, oh my God, I'm nervous. I mean, that's going to turn into like anxiety attacks and panic attacks and all kind of crazy mess. But if you can almost like rewire your mind whenever you feel those side effects to be like, this is not nerves. This is me excited. Because really excitement produces a lot of the same physical characteristics of nervousness. But if you can just help your mind be like, man, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited to get out there and speak. I'm excited to share with these people. Honestly, it's ama- the mind is like the most powerful thing, I think, in the universe probably because it can deceive us and it can take us down roads that we don't want to go sometimes. But if you can train your mind to just see it as excitement, it's super beneficial. Wow, man, that is so insightful. That is incredible. Obviously, you got to relax. You know what I mean? And here's what I mean by relax. Like, Whenever you get a chance to speak in front of people, understand this. This is not your make or break moment. Hmm. Like too many people put weight on themselves, heavy weight of like, if I don't hit a home run, I will never be invited to do anything ever again. You know what I mean? No one ever. and, And honestly, that's not the case. Like sometimes no matter what the room is that you're speaking to, you don't always have to hit a home run. Like just get people to first base sometimes. Like give them whatever information they need to just get to first base, which is further along than wherever they were when they came into the the meeting, right? If you put home run expectations on yourself all the time, that's unbearable and unnecessary. And so it's not your make or break moment. Just relax. It's just an opportunity. You're probably going to have plenty more, all that kind of stuff. Another thing I, I wrote down was slow your roll. Slow your roll. And what, what I mean what by slow mean? your roll is um, 
One of the biggest indicators of nervousness is the lightning fast talker. And I probably talk fast because I'm watching the clock here and I know we have to have like a quick no, episode. Good. When I first started speaking, by the way, I was this guy. I, yeah. I, I spoke 100 miles an hour, man. Yeah, and, and it's one of the signs of nervousness is the guy who just talks really, really fast. But here's the thing, you know, you might have the best material written down, but if no one can understand it or keep up with it, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So you got to pace yourself. You got to remember to speak at a normal pace. So I used to be really awful at this, like really, really awful. And so... To get better, one of the last things I tell myself before I take the stage or take a platform is start low. That's what I just remind myself, Clay, start low. Just start low. And so what I used to do is I used to get on stage and be like, what's up, everybody? How are we doing? Man, it's great to be here. And I would oh, be like, man. I'd be so high. And when yeah. you come in really high like that, you have nowhere to go. So now mm. you've started high and it's almost like, well, now I have to stay super high and passionate. And then no one wants to hear 45 minutes of a guy who's just shouting and yelling and yeah. it gets old. And so the last thing I tell myself now is just start low. And so I just, I get on stage and, and very calmly, hello, everyone. How you doing? I introduce myself, man. It's great to be here with you guys. Thank you so much for coming out and making the time to do this. You know, then I get into my material and it gives me somewhere to go. That way, if I do have a passionate moment in my talk, in my message that I've prepared, it gives me a place to ramp up to and get that. And any good communicator, it's just like a movie. Like think about movies you watch or books that you read. It takes you on a journey, right? Mm -hmm. Normally they all start kind of low, but there's a climax. There's a pinnacle moment in the plot of the movie or the book and it ramps up and there's ups and downs. And, right. and that's what public speaking should be. It should be taking people on a journey and you can do that with the dynamic of your voice. You can do that with your material. You can do that with your mannerisms and good communicators you know, know how to do that well. Yeah, I think that takes a bit of practice for sure, but that is something that, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, that's what people, you like movies for that reason. You don't want to watch a movie that starts off like, 100 miles an hour never slows down the whole time. You're like, oh my gosh, like that's the stressful movie, You need right? a rest. Like, you need, yeah, you need a break. And, and here's what I'll tell you, like before we even got on today's episode, we were talking about w one of the powerful things, and maybe this will be a future episode on creating a brand podcast, but about the, for public speaking, the impact that storytelling has. Yeah. Because what storytelling does, if you've ever seen a really good communicator, you know, they got their material, they have facts, they got their points, they got their statistics. But in order to break it up sometimes, like when you chuck in a story, it gives people an opportunity or you're using an illustration. It gives them the opportunity to almost like take a breath. Now they can digest for just a second all the facts that they've just been given. And now they can just enjoy this story, so to speak. So that, that's why stories are so important. If you don't put stories and illustrations into your public speaking, you need to start doing that like right now. Yeah. It's almost like, think about it like if, if you're sharing and there's an audience, there's a listener out there, it's almost like whatever you're sharing is food and they're eating it, right? Mm -hmm. But every now and then when you're eating food and it's a really, really good meal, sometimes you just need to put the fork down for just a second and just right. take a breath, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Just enjoy the, enjoy the meal, take a breath. And that's what stories and illustrations do in our public speaking. It allows people to take a breath. And I can go on and on, but you know, stories are so important. I shared this with Alex a minute ago, but like, you know, you go back to the early 2000s with like Subway, the restaurant that's like everywhere in, yeah. in like every gas station across America. When you go and, and you do some research in the early 2000s, Subway, obviously they were already on the scene, but they're really trying to make a name for themselves and increase profit margin. Most people don't even know that in the early 2000s, they started a campaign. And I remember the point of the campaign was they thought that if we can just show people the calories and all of the the stats and the numbers behind 
bread mm-hmm. and meats and meals and how how our numbers are better than Burger King or McDonald's or whatever, then surely they'll want to eat more of our Subway, right? Right. And it actually didn't really increase their profit margin at all. The campaign kind of flopped. It really didn't do anything. But then all of a sudden, a couple years later is when they introduced the infamous character of Jared. And we all remember Jared at Subway, right? The guy who lost an incredible amount of weight. And it was like he was only eating Subway, right? What was that? That's a story. They told a story of a guy who lost a lot of weight and got healthy. And all of a sudden, within the next calendar year, Subway's profit margin doubled like instantly. Wow. Just like that. And again, it just goes to show the power of storytelling. Your facts are great. Your statistics are great. I'm sure you've done your research on your numbers, but no one wants to just sit in meetings hearing a bunch of numbers. Right. If you can start to share inspirational stories with people about how your business, your brand, your product, your resource, how it affected people in a positive way and their life became better because of it, people want to hear that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's going to motivate and inspire others. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we're bringing you back later season or maybe a bonus episode of some sort. We're going to bring you back. We're going to get really deep into story. Storytelling. I love it, man. It it honestly is great. And we can talk a lot about it because if you can tell stories well, you look at great communicators. You look at Abraham Lincoln. You look at Winston Churchill, some people who have done a great job, even like Renee Brown right now, you know what I mean? Like on Netflix and everyone's loving her Mm -hmm. stuff right now. You know, they all know how to tell really good stories and it, it inspires people. If you're creating a brand, whether it's a personal brand through a blog or influencing on social media, or a professional brand with a product or service that you're offering, the Creating a Brand community is for you. We are your digital mastermind or tribe. Our community is built on our own custom social media platform where we share our experiences, recommendations, and solve real problems together. In addition, all members have exclusive access to our many online courses. Ultimately, we are a powerful community of entrepreneurs that are helping each other succeed. You will always go further in life and in business when you're part of a healthy community. I'm so passionate about this that I'm going to ask you to do something for me right now. Visit creatingabrand.com and join our community today. You can start for free and it will take you less than three minutes to set up. Once you join, message me directly. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. So back to public speaking. What do you got for us next? I would say this. We already kind of talked about it, but like, keeping it short and sweet, right? You want to keep your stuff short and sweet. Obviously, yeah. TED Talks do that in a really good way. Coming from like, you know, church world at times, I always tell our guys this, like, blessed are the short-winded for they are invited back. That's not an actual Bible verse. You know what I mean? It's not an actual Bible verse. Don't quote me on that because it's not actually in the Bible. But that's what I tell our guys, like, blessed are the short-winded for they are invited back. Right. If you're the long speaker that everyone is like, dear God, when is this going to be over with? <laughs> yeah. You're not getting invited back. No, you're not. But if you're the short and sweet guy and it was like you were on and off in 30 minutes or less and it was like, wow, man, that was really profitable. Dude, let's have that guy back soon. That was great. Yeah. So, you know, know what you're there to deliver and just deliver that. You know what I mean? No one likes the long-winded guy. I'll also say this, like, you know, people, I know some of you, you get, I guess, like discouraged or you get really fearful about what if I make a mistake and all that kind of stuff. Like, you got to know that your errors are okay. Like, it's actually okay. People in audiences are actually willing to give more grace than you even realize at times. Mm -hmm. So just because you make a mistake or you said a word wrong or 
you referenced something wrong. And just if you think of it in the moment during the speech or the whatever, like just correct it. Ha ha ha. Acknowledge it. Move on. Who cares? Learn to laugh at yourself when it comes to communicating. I mean, I've twisted up my words at times. I've quoted things that weren't accurate and had to go back and be like, oh, sorry. Actually, I said that wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're all going to have those moments. No one's perfect 100% of the time. So, you know, just acknowledge it. Keep moving. Man, I I'd actually had an opportunity where I said something wrong, had the opportunity to actually correct what I said. I was talking, it was about social media and how to market well. I was talking about Facebook and I said MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone started laughing. But, you know, if I was more feeling intimidated or like wanting just to get through it, I would just breeze through and be like, I don't know why they're laughing. Just keep on going. But so I was like, I just paused. I'm like, what did I say? And they're like, you said MySpace. And I just bust out laughing. I'm like, now you all know how old I am. Yeah. I met Facebook. Let's get back on track. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just acknowledge it. Keep moving. Yeah. Right. Everyone, just follow me on your, your face space and uh, we'll be good. Right. So another thing I'll say is you got to ignore the naysayers. And what I mean by naysayers is not just, you know, people who comment on your stuff once it hits, you know, YouTube or wherever it hits. Like, I mean, like actually in the moment, like sometimes when you're speaking to a crowd, you're going to be, I mean, you're the one who's looking at like dozens of eyes or, or hundreds. Right. Sometimes you're going to see the dude who's asleep or you're going to see the person who's on their phone. It looks like they're just checking their email, totally disengaged. You cannot focus on that person. If you focus Mm, on that person, you're going to tank your presentation because now you're going to be like, oh crap, man, what I'm that no one cares. Look at that guy. He's not even paying attention or blah, blah, blah. And now you're up there and you're in your own head. Hmm. And so sometimes whenever I see someone like that, who looks like they do not care and they're totally disengaged, I got to like avert my eyes from them immediately. And I have to find someone else in the audience who looks like they're with me. Yeah. You know, because just like there might be the guy who's disengaged, you're always going to find the person who's like wide eyed, staring you in the face, like nodding their head in approval. And that's the person that I like want to speak to because that's the person that's encouraging me. And so whenever you're up in front of people, let that be like an exercise. Quickly find the person that looks like they're with you. Right. That's good. And then that way, if you have a moment of feeling insecure or whatever it is, just go back to that person and look at that person. And they're probably going to still be affirming you know, looking and, and positive. Right. Uh, Obviously, you, you have to find a few of those people because you can't just stare at one person <laughs> all the time, right? <laughs> makes them uncomfortable. And then they're going to stop looking at you and they're going to be like, oh my God, now even he hates me. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Find a few of those people. But with that, a trick that some people try that I actually don't like is the person who feels like they'll be less fearful if they actually look at no one. And like the communicator who like just looks above everyone's head and it's almost like he's just looking out into space. Like I don't really like that either because I think talks and presentations like that end up coming off very disingenuine. Like it's important to look people in the eye. If you're selling a product, if you're selling a resource, if you're trying to motivate people to do something that you're trying, whatever it is you're getting them to do, you got to look people in the eye. And that's important in communicating. That might be fearful for some of us at first, but it's profitable in the long run. Like no one trusts the dude that can't look him in the eye. That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my dad told me like people who can't look you in the eye, like you can't trust him. He also said, don't trust a man who never wears a watch. So I don't know what that has to do with anything, but anyways, so, but again, you got to look people in the eye. And so like scanning and panning and just like looking at the back wall, like, I don't really think that's an effective form of communicating. You might get through your stuff and you might say everything you came there to say, but I don't know how effective it will have been if you weren't really able to connect with people by, you know, looking them in the eye. Yeah. 
some other things, just a couple things. You know, stay positive. I, I wrote that down. Stay positive throughout your delivery, whatever you have to deliver. You know, you don't want to go negative. And it doesn't mean don't be realistic. Sometimes whenever we're in front of people, like sometimes you're in front of board members and like shareholders, and sometimes you got to deliver real information, right? Yeah. And the real information is we had a bad quarter or the real information is we're down a little bit in this area, right? But if you're an effective communicator, you're not just going to get up there and give all the bad news. Like you got to learn right. how to flip it positive. You know what I mean? But like, this is what the last, you know, three months look like, but Hey, our projections for this next three months look like this. We have, you know, this stuff cooking up in the kitchen. We're about to release this and quickly get it back to a positive note because anyone who's out there who wants to inspire people, make money, grow a business, you can't just be delivering bad news all the time. No, you're right. That's a train that people will quickly depart. Yeah. And so you want to keep it positive. And so let that be a, you know, a lesson to a lot of us. So. I think with your tone, you can also show people positivity, right? I mean, yes. like the way that you actually deliver it. We talked about that a little bit earlier, but you have to make sure that you're one speaking positive, but also doing it in a way that is positive. I've heard people that had a really positive message about their company in the quarter, but they deliver it in a way where it sounded like, is this depressing or is this <laughs> yeah. good or bad? Like yeah. I couldn't tell, you know, I couldn't tell if it was good or bad or not. Cause the way they were actually talking. Yeah. Tone is so important. Like I remember hearing a guy one time share and like what he was sharing was good, but the tone was almost like really condescending. And it was almost like he felt like he was so much better than everyone in the room. And yeah, he was a, he was an accomplished individual. Sure. But like, he was like speaking to everyone else in the room, like, Hey, here's my points. Okay. All right. You guys going to do this. Okay. And it was just, it felt like belittling. Yeah. It felt like, like, who are you, buddy? Like, All right. and so, so tone is so important. And one of the last things I'll say is this, like, don't rely on audience response. I don't know what environment you're communicating in large, small, whatever, but you can't, you can't judge whether you're doing a good job or not based on audience response. Mm. Sometimes you're in a space where people will clap, they'll be excited, you say something really good and it generates an applause, that's awesome. But like, if you go into every environment looking for people to applaud and then they don't applaud, you could end up feeling like, oh my God, this is tanking, this is going really, really bad. Right, yeah. And truthfully, maybe it's going great, maybe that's just not the audience that's there that day, they're not an applause kind of an audience. Right. And generally what I've seen is when people expect applause or they expect a certain reaction and they're not getting it, they start repeating themselves in hopes that like, it's almost like, oh, well, maybe they didn't hear me, so let me say it again. And it's right. like, nah, bro, we heard you, Yeah. and it's cool, but like, we just didn't clap. Keep it moving, you know what I mean? And so, and then people start repeating themselves and the speaker just, and it's almost like, oh my God, you, you've already said this. We've heard this. Just keep going, keep going. And so don't let what the audience does in the moment let you decide whether or not it was good or bad. Sometimes I've left a moment where people did not seem very responsive. I thought I blew it. And then all of a sudden out in the foyer, everyone's coming up to me like, that was incredible, man. That was so great. I learned so much. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I thought no one even cared. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you recommend vision? Like when you're preparing for whatever speech you're going to be giving, do you recommend having like visualizing the audience at all and their response? Or you don't think that you should necessarily do that? Me personally, I plan for there to be no response. Like in my head, I plan for people are going to enjoy this because I would like to think that what I've put together is going to be enjoyable. <laughs> That's the idea. So I plan for, they're going to enjoy it, but I'm just going to go ahead and plan as if no one's going to verbally or, or with applause respond. And that way, if it happens, it's just like icing on the cake. Yeah, that's smart. And here's another thing. Like if people start applauding, 
like it's okay to stop speaking for a second and let that moment happen. Mm, that's good. That's you know what good. I mean? You don't have to like talk over them. That, sometimes that just creates like this weird thing. Like, like we're applauding you, man. Just, just take it for, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to talk over us. Yeah. And so learn to do that as a communicator. If people start responding in a positive way, just give that a second, let that applause happen and then begin speaking again. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. Clay, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your points. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Alex, man. Hopefully this was helpful to everyone. And for those of you who have opportunity to public speak, man, take the opportunity. Don't be afraid of it. I think, you know, whatever you have to say is going to be important and it's going to benefit a lot of people. This episode was fire. It's got me pumped up to be sharing my next presentation in a couple of weeks here. I, I cannot wait for it now. And I'm hoping that you're feeling the same way or saying that my, my first engagement is now going to be something exciting instead of something that's making you feel nervous. Or maybe you don't have that opportunity yet. And if you don't, I encourage you, start applying to speak at some local meetup groups or a local conference you can find, or just go big or go home and just sign up for a regional event somewhere to, to speak at a big conference, go for it. I encourage you to do that because I believe it's going to help you create your brand so much faster and just grow in your ability to lead. So this episode, again, like I said, I'm just fired up about it. I'm so excited about it. Clay, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. These points are so helpful. As a matter of fact, Clay actually shared some additional wisdom with the Creating a Brand community exclusively. So there's some more audio in the community just for our members. If that interests you, I do encourage you to join because it's extremely helpful. And it's something we're actually going to be discussing all week within the community because it's just going to help us all in our ability to speak and be able to lead better. So again, Clay, thank you so much for being here. If you're interested in show notes from today's episode and to hear more from Clay, visit creatingabrandpodcast.com. And I'm looking forward to sharing another episode with you next week.